So as we're in the book of Genesis, over the next uh, number of months, my desire again is that we would be developing a biblical worldview. That's what we want to be about. And what I mean developing a biblical worldview is seeing how God created all, and he shaped it all, and he has authority over all. And God decides what is good. God decides how we, the created, are to operate, how to think, how to thrive. The world has a much different answer to uh, the questions, how do we get here? What's the point of life? What are you to do with your life? Just as the earth rotates around the sun, so our world says life rotates around me. And you would argue it actually rotates around you. But the world says it's actually it's all about yourself. It's all about whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. And I, and I pray, though, as we look at these beginning chapters of the Bible, uh, that we would see it's actually it's all about God. And we become more and more focused on who, who God is. As I talked about last week, I, I pray that we would see creation in such a way that we would, as we would look towards the created, it would actually make us focus and look up to the creator uh, more often than not in our, in our day-to-day life. As we look at the sky, maybe not currently, but if you have a chance to look at the ocean or, or the sun and, and the moon and the stars, and then as we go through this season, God made the seasons, winter, we know spring's coming. It would actually make us think and look uh, up to our creator and give him praise and give him thanks. And remember that he is over all and holds all things together. And that God would actually more fully dominate our hearts and minds. Right? Like, that's it. You can't uh, think or praise God enough. You're like, five minutes, all right. We want to more and more be consumed with thoughts of Almighty God and that he would transform our hearts and lives by that. I pray that as we look today at day five and some of day six, that creation again would fill us with wonder and awe and lead to more praise and thanksgiving. I pray also as we go through this message, we'll continue to see the pattern God said and God does. And then we'll apply that to other promises we see in the Bible. God says, God does. And lastly, we'll take a moment to think about what Jesus taught using creation as an example. So if you want to stand with me as we read God's word, looking at Genesis 1, verses 20 to 25. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth, according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kinds. And God saw that it was good. May God bless his word to our soul this evening. You can have a seat. So I've titled this message looking at Day five and part of day six, look at the birds. 
But really, you could look at any aspect of, of creation. You could look at the animals. Last week, I was like, do I call it look at the sun? It's probably, you're not supposed to look at the sun for that long <laughs> or at all. But again, I, I want us, one thing I really want us to see is that creation was made by God and that as we gaze upon creation, may it help us again look up. In my office that I have at home, it's in a basement, but I have a window that looks outside and I can see the sky and I can see some trees. And as I've been working through Genesis more and more, I, I look at the trees and I'm just like, God made those. I look at the sky, God made that. I want to be more and more distracted by that thought. You know, you're driving, you get the sun, and you're like, God made the sun. So I pray that this will happen as we go through. So we're looking, starting at 120, a fifth day. Chapter 1, verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So again, notice the pattern, and God said. Just notice that, God, God said, and it was. So I, I love this term, God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, or like swarm, maybe not a word we use so much, like multiply, be innumerable. You think of swarms, think of like schools of fish. When you see like so many together, I don't know if you've ever been in Sylvan Lake, and you see all those minnows, like they're swarming together. So God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And they obeyed. And notice that term, living creatures. This is the first living thing to appear in the creation account. And what I, I mean by living thing is in plants aren't thinking and acting. Right? And if you just look at, if you will with me, Genesis 2, 7, God's speaking about man, but he says, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. That term, living creature and breath of life. And if you look at Genesis 1, uh, 30 as well, God says this, and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. So now God is making living creatures with the breath of life. Just maybe a reminder, like you, you, can, you can talk to plants, but they're not hearing anything. But I've heard people, like, I don't know if you play music, classical music, but plants and things aren't living creatures. But for the first time, God's creating something living, something breathing that we see here. And God created the birds or flying things to fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. They fly in the sky. Everything that can fly. And what, what happens in Genesis 1.21? So Genesis 1.20, God said. Genesis 1.21, and so God created. God did. God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God said, God did. If you notice here the term God created, some, some people make a big deal, like other places it says God made, here it says God created. In verse 1, it says God created. It's a different Hebrew word. Of the word created, it's always used of God. In the word it says made, sometimes it's used of other people. But I think in this context, it's saying the same thing. Whether God made or he created something, God is the one who fashioned it together. I think both are saying the same thing. God is the one who made it. He made the great sea creatures. 
or other translations could be the sea monsters. This word, very large, impressive looking creatures of the oceans, including very large fish and large marine animals. Think about whales and sharks. For sure, the dinosaurs that, were, that ruled in the water. In, in Job 41, uh, God speaks of the Leviathan. Sometimes seen as like this mythical creature, but God speaks in, in Job 41 as this, this huge, massive creature within the water. God made them to swarm around. And not only just those creatures, but just think about this for a moment. Think about the creatures of the sea. Think about their uniqueness. And, and truthfully, as I'm going through this message and thinking through the animals of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals on the land, you get lost. Because they're like, there's so many and so unique. So if I don't say your favorite animal, I apologize. There's God made a lot. So just think about those in the sea. Think about a whale. It's enormous lung capacity that has this amazing ability to produce oxygen in exchange for long dives, like two kilometers down into the water, sometimes two hours in the depths. Its eyes designed to see properly in water withstand high pressure, yet it's a mammal. Special fitting for the mouths of the young calves so they can feed from their mum underwater and not lose any milk and the milk not go into their lungs. Like, it's, it's amazing how a whale was fitted. And the thing, some, some whales, they go down into the depths, and what they're searching for is the next a creature I just want to tell you about. I don't know if you've heard of the Kraken. Not like the Seattle team. I don't even know how they're doing. But I meant, like, giant squid. It was a nickname. Like, they were like, there's, this, there's these giant squid in the waters, and it was more like a legend for the longest of time until, like, the past 10 or so years, and they actually caught on footage these giant squid. If you just, if you Google that giant squid, you'll see this really short clip, this creepy in the darkness, and then there's these tentacles come across, like, just, like, five seconds or less. But what they know about these giant squid or kraken, they have eyes the size of basketballs. <laughs> And they live in the ocean depths. They're rarely seen. Again, only twice caught on camera. God created all these sea creatures in day five. And then people said, it's a legend. It doesn't exist. We don't even know about it until like 10 years ago. God created that. He also created the fish. It also says, right, that the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind. I don't know, have any of you experienced like snorkeling in the ocean? Uh, years ago, I was snorkeling uh, off the coast of Mexico and around Cancun, and just the amazing colors and sizes and shapes of fish just swarming about, like blues and reds and oranges. Like just how amazing was that? And every, you think you're going to touch one, you can never touch them. doesn't matter how close you get. But just think about all the different varieties that are in the sea. And then and, and be amazed at our God and his, how he makes everything and everything so unique and everything so perfect. And again, I think the whole variety, the vastness of it, again, points to a creator. And not just th those in the sea, but then every winged bird he also made, he created according to their kind. So think for a moment, if you will, about the birds of the air. Think about how smart, smart some of them are who are just programmed to fly south, right? Like it, it gets cold and they're just, they're out of here. Think about how birds sing. 
And you can make an argument if there's a nest outside your window of crows that they don't sound so nice. But think about how nice so many birds sing. I think that, again, points to a creator. If it was just like this evolutionary process, one after another, there would just be like this odd-sounding noise. Instead, it's like beautiful to the ear. The uniqueness of birds. There's this bird uh, my wife saw on this, this show recently called the uh, Jacana. It's in Africa. And it has these huge feet, and it can walk on lily pads. So it's very unique. And you just if you think, like, how did it get that ability? Because if it was like adaptation, it's like millions of years, they all would have drowned until, until their feet were long enough to be able to do that. And if they were drowning, you think they wouldn't run across the water. But it's just this amazing thing, these, this bird with these huge feet that God made, the jacana. Think of, I don't know if you've ever seen in some, like the show's Planet Earth, these birds in the Amazon who have this special dance in order to attract their mate. You can just Google it, like birds dancing for mates in, Am in the Amazon jungle. It's, it's unbelievable. They do this little dance just to attract another bird. Then there's, there's one little bird that gets three other bird friends with him, and they like bounce around it. Unbelievable. Again, pointing to a creator. Amazing. <laughs> and so I'll just point to one other bird, the golden eagle. On the, on the Mexican flag, that bird with a, a snake in its mouth, that's a golden eagle. And my, my friend who is from Mexico, he proudly said, you know, what do golden eagles eat for breakfast? They, they eat American eagles. <laughs> like, golden eagles are huge. I saw this video of this golden eagle pulling uh, goats off a cliff. Like, they're like massive, these massive birds. And I'll just say one more thing, because it really blew me away. On Sunday, we went out for a walk, and you, have, I don't know if you've ever seen those swarms of birds that eat all the berries and then keep going, bohemian waxwings. I had to Google that. Uh, but I guess there's also, it could be cedar wax wings as well. But like thousands in the air flying over top of us. It's just like, oh my goodness. There's a creator. And he makes all things good. Thinking about birds and evolution, John Whitcomb says this, Charles Darwin and his neo-Darwinist disciples today have completely failed to explain the origin of birds. Such amazingly adapted creatures could never come into existence by a gradual and chance accumulation, accumulation of mutations in the bodies of certain reptiles. It's just as ridiculous to imagine that birds were once reptiles as it would be to imagine that airplanes could be produced by attaching wings to the sides of trucks. Flying birds are obviously designed for flight, and every minute aspect of their physical form and instinct pattern contributes to this marvelous capacity. Just think about birds' lungs. It's a quote from Sarfati, but he says this, the system of their lungs keeps air flowing in one direction through special tubes in the lung, and blood moves through the lungs' blood vessels in the opposite direction for efficient oxygen uh, update and excellent engineering design. Like this amazing thing that oxygen only moves in one direction, but reptiles, like, you know, just breathe in all the air and breathe it out. And so if that was like being adapted and happening, at some point, the animal would die because the lungs aren't working properly. Like, it's fantastic. They were created to fly. Again, as the scriptures said of the sea creatures and the birds, they were created according to their kinds. 
as in a bird doesn't become a whale or a whale become a bird or they both came from a similar substance. If you just think about this, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, the probability of like everything happening, of like all the pieces for life being present and coming together, the probability of that is similar to a tornado ripping into a junkyard and creating out of the junk that's there a Boeing 747. That's the same probability of things just coming to be. Like the number is so astounding that that is, is the exact same thing. And so what did God say of this creation? It was good. It, he makes all things good. I want us to keep seeing that. And in Genesis 1.22, God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. And just also note here, this is the first time God speaks to living creatures, to a living thing, and he, and he blessed them. He spoke words of divine favor, be fruitful and multiply. Just thinking about turtles, fish, and birds. Sea turtles lay on average 110 eggs two to eight times a year. It's a pretty big variation. Some are laying more, some less. But I don't know if you've ever seen the footage of those little baby turtles, and they're struggling to get to the ocean. So you think like 110 of them, and then they like swim across the ocean around the world, and they come back to the exact same place in which they were born. And they, when they're older, lay eggs. Must be a coincidence. I don't know. I'm joking. I think it's amazing. Again, I think it points to uh, creation, to God being in control. Think about a fish. Some lay a few eggs. Most lay a lot. They are fruitful and multiply. Some fish in fast-flowing rivers like rainbow trout spawn once a year. A 13-inch female can produce up to 3,000 eggs over the course of one spawn and usually lasts a few days. For sure you're taking that information, right? Like write that down, trivial pursuit or something. And this one, a two-meter-long female sturgeon can lay around 400,000 eggs, and bigger ones can release over 4 million eggs. So the fish are being fruitful and multiplying. And when you get to the birds... God set the parameters. They uh, vary on number of eggs laid how often, most once per year, not at all close to the fish. But think about this. Alan Ross says this, God continually makes boundaries and sets limits uh, for the self-petration of creation. Like if you're going to be born, you're gonna, God says this is how you're going to do it. Fish, you're going to lay this many eggs. Birds, you're gonna, this is how you're going to do it. God sets how it will happen, and creation follows suit. One twenty-three, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day again the pattern God creating in a 24 hour period 24 hours is in the evening morning a day a day means a literal day the pattern again God said it happened it was good and it says here in my translation the fifth day but I don't know if, you, if you've heard like can anyone tell me what our, what our translation should say Ah, fifth day. That's, yeah, thank you. That's what it should say in the Hebrew, ah, ah fifth day. And again, because the first one is a ah, day, like this is what a day looks like, a second day, a third day, a fourth day, a fifth day, and it's not until the sixth day because it wants to set it apart. The Hebrew writer's Moses, the sixth day. I'll get a lot more excited about it next week. <laughs> Amazing. So Genesis 1.24, we're going to look at part of the sixth day. 
in verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. I think we, we see here uh, quite clearly that there are three different categories, three types. Excuse me, there's d domestic animals, there are small animals and wild animals. Here's the animal kingdom represented. First, if you think about this thing about the livestock that were made, you know, cows, sheep, goats, donkeys, like domesticated animals, I, maybe dogs in here. Maybe our dogs domesticated. I, I, I have a few categories. You guys can figure out where they go. But just think about this. Why were they made? Why are the domesticated animals made? Remember, this is day six. Like we didn't just, a bunch of cows and goats were made to just run around. They were made for a purpose of, of humans uh, to come. So domesticated animals or livestock were the first thing. The second category, creeping things. Doesn't that sound great? Isn't that what we want to call small animals from now on? <laughs> Creeping things, or other translations, creatures that crawl or, or are low to the earth, like reptiles, gophers, foxes. We just got in our house guinea pigs. They would be, I'm just, they call them creeping things from now on. Bunch of creeping things. Sloths. You guys know what a sloth is? For sure, that's a creeping thing. And, and creeped me out when I was very, when I was younger. So, moves so slow, like, can't trust anything that moves that slow. <laughs> and, and dogs, are dogs in here? Are dogs part of the creeping things? Are they domesticated animals? I don't know, you, got, you guys can figure that out for yourself. And just some commentaries, they kind of wrestle back and forth. Are insects in here? Like, are there flying insects? Is it because it's any flying thing? I just want to point out one unique insect, though there's like, there's thousands. More than that. Uh, have you guys heard of cicadas? We experienced cicadas when we were uh, in South Korea. There's two types of cicadas. They're like big flies, insects. That's not the right description. But there's one group that appears every year. There's another group of cicadas that appears every 17 years. And they make that buzzing, humming sound. And it's to, ha to find a mate. And then they'll mate, and then like their offspring will go underground for 17 years. And then 17 years later, it'll, they'll come up out of the ground and make that noise and mate. Like, what kind of weird, strange insect is that? But the Lord just made it. Like, that's their constraint. Every 17, why 17? That's because that's what God said. Cicadas. Amazing. And, and again, here in this, so the next category is beasts of the earth. And I'm wondering, like, are cats, are they with creeping things, the low on the earth? Are they beasts of the earth? It depends. Anyone have cat? You know, and everyone has a strong opinion on where cats should be. And it's not Christian, some of the things you're thinking. <laughs> so beasts of the earth, wildlife. Lions and tigers and bears, and some of you in your mind, I know what you're thinking, oh my. Think about bears, the wild, like wild bears, anyone like you go hiking and you don't just waltz around 
hiking in the mountains, like you should probably take some bear bells or some bear spray. Because uh, if you run into them, well, <laughs> I know we don't take bear bells, but we do take bear spray because bears are not so cute and cuddly. They're, they're wild animals, right? Like a, a few years ago, we were uh, in Banff, my wife and I getting away, and we are talking to the information person. We wanted to go on some hikes. And I remember I had just read previously, like a day or two before, that there were bears in like the, on the high school field. And I asked the person, I said, she's telling me about the hike, and I said, oh, like, there, there are bears in the area. Oh, really? What? I'm like, yeah, I heard, I heard they're like on the high school field. She's like, oh, really? When? I was like, oh, I, a couple days ago. She's like, yeah, this is the mountains. There's wildlife here. I'm like, okay. So I, I felt like a fool. She's like, these are wild creatures. Like, yeah, there's bears here. She, like, she knew better than me. I don't know why I shared that with you. I, just thought, I found that funny. <laughs> and thinking about those, those animals, lions and tigers and bears, but actually the world's most deadliest animal that actually kills the most people is actually the hippo. It kills, I guess, what they, they assume is an estimation, like 500 people a year. The river horse. Hippos are amazing swimmers. Have you seen that at the Calgary Zoo? Hippos can run 48 kilometers an hour. I had to look it up. Humans, like, on average, can run 13 <laughs> kilometers an hour. And hippos actually, like, eat plants, but they'll protect their young. So some people think... Uh, hippos is what Job is talking about. I want to just bring you to this passage here for a second in Job 40, verse 15 to 17. And I don't think Job's talking about that. I think he's actually talking about dinosaurs because when God created all animals, all creatures, I believe he created dinosaurs at this time. So Job 40, verses 15 to 17. God says this to Job. Behold, behemoth. If you have a, a footnote there, it means a large animal. The exact identity is unknown, what type of creature this is. Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you, he eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. And people are like, what type of animal it is? He goes on to describe. People say, well, maybe it's a hippo. But hippos have little small tails. And actually, it makes sense that this description is actually more of a type of dinosaur uh, than it is a hippo or, or any other animal that we would categorize. So dinosaurs existed at the same time as humans. I, I, I believe most would have perished in the flood. We'll talk more about dinosaurs as we get a closer to the flood. But maybe just a, a question for you and just maybe think, it's in your head, like, what is your favorite animal or one that amazes you? I think this could be a, a very easy, low-hanging fruit for small group questions. Horses, nice. So for myself growing up, I loved cheetahs and penguins. Cheetahs, they could run really fast, and penguins looked really silly, but were amazing swimmers. And I, and I love that about them. But the thing is, we, unless you go to the zoo, you don't see a lot of these animals. But what do we see a lot of? We see a lot of cows. If you're out driving around, like Central Alberta, I don't know about you, every time I see cows, you know what comes to mind? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's, that's what comes to mind. Psalm 50 uh, verses 10 to 11, it says this, for every beast of the forest is mine. 
the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Think about the vast array of animals, the types of colors, the shapes and sizes, the sounds that they make. They should just like, wow, God made them. When you see a cow, can you remember? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All creation, again, should make us lift our eyes up to him. If you have an animal at home, a pet, when you're looking at it, when you're feeding it, just God made this animal. And we should thank him and praise him. Genesis 125 Continue on this day. So God said, and then verse 25, and then God made, God did. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kinds. And God saw that it was good. Again, the kinds, like dogs make dogs and cats make cats, but dogs don't make cats. Right? Like a, a monkey... We couldn't see them coming from a giraffe or from the same source, and at some point, a monkey, and at some point, a giraffe. Henry Morris says this, modern genetics has shown that all replicating systems function in the framework of the marvelous information program in the DNA molecule. In each, each animal, each person, the DNA for each kind is programmed to all for wide individual variations within the kind, but not beyond the structure of the kind itself. Now, there's so many different types of dogs, but a dog is not a cat. Different kinds. And again, what does God say at the end of verse 25? And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. It's a conclusive statement. Again, because we continue to move into, into day six. And God's separating the animals from humans that God is, is going to create as we continue to go further on into, ga- into day six. So, so what? We looked at a, a, the fifth day and a part of the sixth day, and I just, like, so what? Again, so God made it. God made time, space, and matter. So God made it. God formed it. He formed the earth, the sky, and the sea. And God filled it, the sun, the moon, the stars, sea creatures, bird, and animals. And the most important that we're talking about is still yet to come. And so we should praise him. God made it, God formed it, and God filled it. And you think, why? Why did he make all these things? And again, it's for his own glory. And then if, if we were to say, looking next week, in the next two days, or next two weeks to come, and he, he made humans to give him glory. And he made all of this animals for humans to watch and to to take over. But we'll we'll talk about that more next week. I really want you to catch this. If you notice what God says, God does. What God says, it happens. We see this in Genesis 1 throughout. I've been highlighting it. But in in verse 6, God said. In verse 7, God made. In verse 9, God said, at the end of verse 9, and it was so. God said, God made, God created, and it was good. God says and God does. 
We can take this confidence, this trust we see in the Lord when he says something, he does it, into the rest of Scripture. When we read other Scriptures, knowing that if God says something, he does it. But what about when God has said something, but it hasn't happened yet? I want to just kind of think about this for a moment. Think about three things. Numbers 23:19. it says this, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? So just saying, we're looking at things that God has said, but we don't have not yet seen the fulfillment of it. Or, we, or maybe we don't think it's actually happening. The first thing I just want to bring your attention to is God has said he'll never leave us or forsake us. You see this in, in Hebrews 13, verse 5. And in the context, the writer of Hebrews says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be, be content with what you have. For he has said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But friends, sometimes we feel, we feel like, no, I don't know, God doesn't seem so close to me right now. But if God has said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, then we can trust his word that that is true. We talked about this in the summer, but just bring your attention to Psalm 139, verses 5 to 10. David writes this, talking about God. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So friends, if God says he'll never leave us or forsake us, he'll hem us in behind and before, even sometimes we don't feel that, we can trust. God says and God does. He is with us. We can believe that no matter how we are feeling. Let's take this to heart. A second thing I want us to think of the, what God says, and maybe we don't yet see the full fulfillment, God is going to bring justice to the earth. And I know that's the hope and the desire of so many people, even currently, right now, we want to see justice happen uh, with our politicians. We, we want justice to be had. We want changes to be made and, and freedom to come. Freedom just to work and to live, to practice our faith, look after our loved ones. But even you just think of, of justice even bigger than that, the list is large. Justice for human slavery being practiced. Justice for murder, for crime. Justice for, for aborted babies who are slaughtered in the millions every year within the country. Well, within the country, the states, we're, we're about 100,000. And the list could go on and on. We're like, God, you, where's the justice? Maybe we, we can be like, uh, like Abraham in Genesis 18. When God talked to Abraham, he said he was going to uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham has this conversation with God. And Abraham says in Genesis 18, 24, Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away that place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it for you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fares the wicked. Far be, it from, far be that from you. 
And this question he asks, I think we ask that, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Lord, where's the justice? All throughout Scripture, I'm just going to go through a number of Psalms. I just wanted to show you what it says about God. Psalm 711. It says this, God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation every day. Psalm 37, verse 28, just, just reading a few quick verses of the Psalms. It says, the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Psalm 46, verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. That's not talking about justice, but I just want to bring that in. That's how powerful our God is. Psalm 75, verse 2. I just want to show you that it's all throughout the Psalms, all throughout Scripture. At the set time, God says, at the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. And so we're waiting, we're asking, God, when will you bring justice to this earth? When? And we, we see justice brought, actually, at the end of time in, in Revelation 19, verses 1 and 2. And this is following the, the, the fall of Babylon. The fall of Babylon, this, this wicked, evil world system, the buying and selling of goods. And in chapter 18, it collapses, and the people of the earth are weeping because this system is gone, and it's broken. I, I just pray, saints, that there'll be none of us weeping when the world system is broken and gone. But in Revelation 19, verses 1 and 2, it says this, after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immortality, her immorality, sorry, and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And of course, justice will finally be brought to a head. Revelation 20, verse 11 the great white throne judgment. And John, the apostle, saw this. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Everyone judged by what they had done. Anyone whose name is not in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Justice will be had. God will bring justice. Even as we wait for it, God will come. He will make things right. And even if we, if we consider for us whose name is in, in the book of life, 
Well, it's only those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Because, friends, and anyone who has their name written in that, we know that ultimately we don't get what we deserve. That as a sinner, I actually deserve God's punishment, his wrath upon me, but instead Jesus came and took it upon himself in my place. And everyone who would put their faith and trust in him would have their name written in the book of life. And so our name could be present in there because God poured out his wrath on his son and justice was had. Our sins were, there was punishment given for it. And we instead receive grace, unmerited favor, mercy from God, forgiveness. How amazing is that? And anyone who does not know Jesus Christ in this way, if you, would, if you would trust in him, if you confess your sins and believe that he rose again from the grave, you'd believe in him and he would save you. So friends, I want us to see these two things. What God says, God does. Even if there's a delay, we can trust what we find in the word of God. Lastly, I want us to see that God uses creation in his word to teach us lessons about life. All throughout the wisdom literature, Job speaks of creation. There's Psalm 19 speaking of of creation. The sky proclaims the glory of God. You have my, one part of my favorite, we'll look at it more fully in the future. Proverbs 6, six look to the ant, you sluggard. Like you lazy person, you want to learn something, look at the ant. <laughs> and watch how it gathers, it has no master. And what we're going to talk about that is we talk about theology of work. But I want you to just think of this with me for a moment. Jesus often taught using creation as an example, because really he, he was preaching outside and he used anything that was nearby to make his point. The question is, what do you think when you see a bird? If you just want to turn with me as we finish to Matthew 6. Looking at verse 25, jumping into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And just before looking at 25, what was said before in, in verse 24, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devote, devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or God and mammon, this kind of like, the kind of evil, uh, evil form of possessions, like something that, like an idol. You can't serve God or money. You have to Pick one. And then following that, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, like if you you can only serve God or money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So this is is where I went as I'm thinking about the birds. (laughs) And then God made the birds. I I kept going to this scripture. This is ministering to me. I hope it ministers to you tonight. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I love that. Look at the birds of the air. Don't be anxious about your life. If you are anxious, look at the birds. They're not starving. God's looking after the birds. Are you not greater than them? Again, it's this example of, of you go into like something smaller and talking about something greater. And if God looks after that which is smaller, he looks after the birds. They're not struggling to find their food. How much more will he look after us and our needs? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So this is a reminder one, you have to see birds for, in order to, to think about this. So maybe you have to be outside. <laughs> maybe we have to be unplugged so we can actually hear the birds and see them. It doesn't just have to be birds, but that's what Jesus is talking about here. And as you're outside in God's beautiful creation, as you see him watching over just wild animals, can we start to think, okay, and God is watching over me. God is watching over us. And yeah, we don't know what's coming in the future, and, we, and I think it's wise to plan and to prepare, and everyone has different degrees in which they do this. But friends, let's not be anxious. Because God's watching over the birds. For sure, he's watching over us, and we can take great confidence in the God who created us. And just one more place, Matthew 10, 29. Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Apparently, they were sold for a penny to actually to eat. This is for poor people. And not one of those sparrows will fall to the ground apart from your father. He knows every single bird. No, not one of them dies outside of his hand. But even the, the hairs of your head are all numbered. And, and for some of us, it's easier to count. <laughs> As I get older, the Lord is getting easier for him. But I love this. Fear not, therefore you are more valued than many sparrows. Again, I just want to point that out to you as we think about creation, as we reflect on it. Friends, this week, if you see a bird flying, that's what I want you to remember. Don't be anxious about your life. God's watching over the birds. How much more is he watching over you? How much more is he watching over me? Can we trust him? Can we rest in him in good times and trials, knowing that he made us and he takes care of us? And if God the Father looks after the birds, how much more will he take care of us? So again, let creation lead you to look to the creator. What God says, God does, even if there's a delay in what he says. And look to the birds. Don't be anxious in this time. If you'll bow with me, I'd like to close in prayer. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would use the scripture, use that word, seal it in our hearts. Can I pray anything that's, that's not from you? May we forget it. Oh, Lord, that, that your word, that we would gain a, great, a greater trust in you, a greater peace. Lord, remind us of it this week when we see your creation. And that you would actually increase our faith. That we'd lay down our, our anxious thoughts. 
we'd turn, we'd praise, we'd give thanks. Oh, Lord, I praise you. Do this work in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.